Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mmm, yeah. Dipping on some scissors. Dip, dipping on some zips. Dipping on some scissors. Dipping on some zips. Dipping on some scissors. Dipping on some zips. Dipping on some scissors. Dipping on some zips. Jacob Glessness. The big Norwegian center back, drifting backwards, chest the ball down, and unleashes a Golasso. Fucking A, man. In the 123rd minute of the game, it was the latest goal in Major League Soccer history. Not just in the playoff, the playoffs. Playoffs. In regular season playoffs, any Major League Soccer game, the latest goal from a center back. I was so proud of him. I felt like a proud father. Um, even though he's 27 and I'm 37, so that'd be really weird if I was his father. But uh, before I get carried away, uh, talking about another great center back goal, uh, I'm Kevin Kincaid, as you well know, but joining the program for a second time, uh, a man who was there in the stadium and saw it live, uh, Corey Ferland is back on the program. What's up, brother? What's going on, Kevin? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's funny that you said that you felt like a proud father. I called you this afternoon saying, dude, are you pumped that your, your center back scored a goal? It's just, it's so funny to, th- to hear you say that. It's hysterical. <laughs> you have no idea, man. It's like, cause we get so much crap for like, you know, you do everything right for like, you know, the entirety of the game and then you make one mistake. It's like, oh, this guy messed up, you know? And in this case, he does everything right for 122 minutes. And then caps it off with a rocket in the 123rd minute. Like, you could not have written that script any better than that, you know? And I just kept sitting there. Um, I was at my parents' house, actually, because we were doing, like, an early Thanksgiving. I was sitting there next to my dad, and we both got up off the couch and made some kind of yelping noise or what. I don't don't even know what it was that came out. And it's funny because I'm not, like, you know, when you're, like, a media member, like, you watch the teams, and you're you're not really, like, you don't get too high or too low with it because it, it with with like the Sixers or the Flyers or the Eagles or whatever it's like a job, you know. So you're just kind of steady. You're just kind of nodding along, and like typing or whatever. But this one, I got out, I got out of my my chair to make a noise and you know do the high fives and stuff like that. The crowd sounded amazing on television. The atmosphere was awesome down there. I can't even imagine what it was like to actually be in the seats. So I need you to uh, describe it for me. I mean, the whole day was awesome. Uh... You know, it was one of those moments that like, okay, like I've seen, I'm going to say probably in the 12 years that the union's been in existence, I'm going to say I've seen something in the neighborhood of, what do you think they play 15 home games a season? I don't know, probably close to 200 games, I would guess probably by like, you know, the end of it, whatever. I don't know what the exact number is. And like, I've heard the place be loud before. And like, I remember in the beginning when the first Seattle game, it was like loud. And then. You know, when Mo scored in the Open Cup final against Seattle to go up 1-0, I was like, whoa, this is the loudest I ever heard it. Yeah. Then Fabian scored last two years ago, and I was like, whoa, this is the loudest I ever heard it. <laughs> and I feel like we kind of got gypped because, you know, they win the Supporter Shield and in front of 3,000 people, right? Like, that place, the roof would have blown off. Um, but I think this, what happened over the weekend, I definitely think made up for it because, I mean – I've been to like Eagles playoff games and I've been to, you know, Phillies playoff games. Like I've seen Roy Halladay pitch a no hitter in the playoffs. And like, I've seen some like pretty crazy crowd reactions and things like this. And like for, you know, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that there was going to be a soccer team in Philadelphia and a center back was going to score a goal in the 123rd minute to win a playoff game against New York, like, and you would have told me that like, it would have been one of the loudest stadiums, like moments in a stadium I've ever been. Um, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. However, like the building was shaking. Like I completely blacked out. Like it went in and like (laughs) literally like, you know, the whole game, like you were on a knife edge for three hours. It was like, as you know, the union had, I mean, Casper, Corey, everybody had all these chances. And it was like, when is this going to happen? And like, 
you know, I looked at my couple of my buddies and was like, dude, like, this isn't good. Like, this is just has a feeling of like one of those games where you like not necessarily outplay a team, but like they were the better team on the day. The union was. And it's like, okay, are they, when are they going to like, they're going to get that one punch on a counter and we're going to be hosed, you know? And like, just to like, literally like I'm at that moment, like resigned to like, all right, here comes penalties. Like, Holy shit. I don't know if we have five guys that can take these penalties um, to like, you know, and it was kind of an innocuous kind of set of circumstances and the ball just bounced to him at the top of the box. And like to see him take that touch and like he hits it and it literally like slow motion. Like I watched it and I'm like, no way, no way he did it again. Like, and like you see it hit the back of the net and like just absolute bedlam ensues, like tackled by complete strangers and like people that, you know, just like people hugging each other and people freaking out and having a great time and just screaming about like a soccer goal in Philadelphia. That's like of this magnitude, like that is like a dream come true for me. Cause it's right? the culmination of all that. It's like 120 minutes of like, almost there close uh, off the post for red bull sergio santos saved uh cashbury hitting it over from 10 yards out um mm-hmm. you know the defensive play to, to block to get down and block Corey burke and keep it and it was like you, that you keep like exponentially building onto that and adding more and adding more and adding more and like when brad lidge gets the final strikeout in the world series everybody goes crazy but there are other flash points where there were like natural releases of emotion Mm-hmm. within the game when runs are scored or what now with soccer it's just that constant buildup you know it's like so when it all comes out um it sounded insane on television like it, it was you know they released that you know like all 22 like stadium like um whatever the soccer version of it's called like the mm-hmm. wide angle lens from the top it was just like man the roar of the crowd was something i, I just like um I know I was kind of jealous of you guys down there. I was like, maybe I should have found a way to get my like two year old, my my uh, two week old down there. And, and uh, it's so funny. Like it was, it was awesome. Anybody that's a, like a union fan is going to be like, yeah, you know, I was there, I was there, I was there. But the funny part is, is like, you know, I have some friends that work in the media, and like they were there, and were like, I literally get messages on Twitter, like, dude, that's they're like, that was absolutely incredible. Like, and they were like, literally, the atmosphere down there rivaled like an Eagles game. Like now, obviously there's not 75,000 people. So it's like Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, scaled back, but like, they're like the intensity of the whole scene. They're like, yeah, soccer is like a big league sport. Like, and like to hear that coming from somebody, like you said, it's almost like that validation of like, okay. You know, everybody was like, well, you know, when the sons of Ben and when like the union started, everybody's like, oh yeah, cool. It's like minor league baseball, whatever. And then like to see it continue to grow and build and like, you know, then they had 10 years where they just were kind of inconsequential. Like, uh, yeah, know? yeah. And like over the past three years, like, I can't tell you, like, you know, my wife used to come to the games with me and she doesn't really, she's like, ah, it's your thing. You go do your thing. And like to have her texting me while I'm like leaving the stadium, like, holy shit, that was amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. you're like, yeah. yeah, like that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, like, like I almost like, you know, like uh, shit a brick when I saw a 94 WIP's Twitter account, you know, go right? on with something about it, you know, and if I see like, you know, the 97.5 guys have been like, like pretty good with soccer mm-hmm. for a while now, you know, I see a picture pregame of like, I think Tyrone and Bob Cooney and like, um, uh, was it Tyler, Tyler Zuli and like Connor, Connor Thomas, I think we're down there or whatever, like, like 10 yeah. years ago, that never would have been a thing, you right. know, and we and- don't, we don't, we don't have to like, it's just sometimes it, it fascinates me. Like we don't really need validation because we like what right. we like and we have this community and we have these podcasts and all the people who do, you know, independent coverage and stuff like that. But at the same time, it is fascinating to see that. And it's cool to see that because it was never like, it feels like there's a corner that's, that, that's being turned, you know? And like when people see yeah. stuff like, like that goal, it's like, Hey, um, no, you know, absolutely. And, yeah. and like, I mean, it, it was on sports center top 10. Like I think the union has been on yeah. sports center top 10 one other time in their lifetime. <laughs> It's probably the last um, goal that Glass scored. No, it was actually it was ironically enough, it was Shannon's goal. He like flipped sideways in front of the river end and like kind of it was like off a corner and the ball bounced around <laughs> and that made sports center top ten. Um but like yeah, yeah like so, you know, I and I know Jamie um from ninety seven five, he's a good buddy of mine. Like I used to work with him in a restaurant way back when. Jamie and Lynch. we stayed in touch. Yeah, and we stayed yeah. in touch and like we kind of you know, and he actually he like he like he enjoys soccer like he does like he's no not, he was like, down at the he came down I think and played like the media game the last media game they mm-hmm. did I want to say it was like 2016 or 2018 mm-hmm. or something like that yeah 
Yeah. yeah it's like definitely... you, you used to be you used to have to hide your soccer fandom. Like if you're a sports right. radio personality, you had to kind of like kind of like keep your soccer fandom uh, in the closet. But now we've come to the point where it's like you're allowed to be um, you know, go public with your uh, like of the sport, which is never a thing. Right. It's it's funny how like the success has helped them with that. Um right. well, and I think me... that's also part of like the US national piece too. Like they're good now too. So I think that helps. I wanted to go over like the 15 bullet points that I wrote out on crossing broad um, for this podcast. That was, I didn't prep anything because I, we did, we did the post game show and I did that story. I'm like, let's just read off this stuff stuff and kind of go backwards here, but let's, let's Mm -hmm. go um, like, like macro first and kind of build off of what we were saying. Like um, the importance of the win in general, that was only their second playoff win ever. You know, Mm -hmm. they lost 2011, Houston, 2011, Houston, second leg, first and second leg. They both lost 2016. They lost in Toronto, 2018. They lost in New York, 2019. They had the Red Bull win. Then they lost in Atlanta last year. They lost to New England this year. They beat New York. Like to think, man, how like uh, how thin the margins are, whereas like one banger Galasso versus like maybe excruciating penalty kicks and a loss changes that like that history forever where you now because you if they had lost that game you would have people you would have still been able to say they've only won one playoff game ever in 11 right. years you know and right. so that change it changes so much of the focus and so much so much of the momentum and i've got to tell you it's like you know we try to explain to like the casuals like what the u.s open cup is they don't know what the fuck the u.s open cup right. is try, like, to, try to explain to them what the supporter shield is it's like oh it's a regular season trophy that's stupid you know but the language that they do speak is the playoffs and like mm-hmm. how do you how do you get those people to pay attention how do you get like jeff skiversky to put it on his twitter how do you get like cbs3 to put it on their highlights at night like jacob glessness bangers and like meaningful games meaningful wins in a language that people can understand Correct. Correct. And, you know, it's like, it's funny, the amount of requests I've had for tickets this week, people are like, yo, how do I get tickets to this game? I'm like, you better go buy them because they're going quick. Um, <laughs> but like, exactly like you said, like, uh, you know, they understand the playoff thing. And like, I think if they lose that game, like there's questions that need to be answered. You know, as oh my God, dude. Yeah, we're like is, sitting there saying like, oh, is it a, uh, is it a successful season? I mean, I you would know. have to say no, because like you set the bar last year, like, okay, like I understand you're not going to win the supporter shield. That's probably the hardest trophy to win. Right. If you think about it, yeah. it's like, you're the best for a full season. You know, um, anybody can get hot for a month and win four games in a row and win, win a trophy that way in a knockout competition. However, to be successful like that for the full season. So they accomplished that. Right. And that's like a big thing. And like this year going into the season, I was like, you know, I don't think they're going to win the supporter shield again, but like, let's see what happens. And, you know, here we are, we finished second in the East. Now I, you know, they've been saying, Oh, it's the most points in union, in a union season history, but like, okay, we played a bunch more games than we did last year. Like that's, so that, that yeah. statement kind of just goes out the window. However, like you said, like, it's like, if they lose the first playoff game again, we're still the same old union. Like we didn't, you know, okay, we're always the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know, that whole thing. And like, are we ever going to get to that point? And like, you know, like, it's funny. Like, I think, you know, people think, oh, New York and this and that, and like the rivalry or whatever you want to call it. Like, I I don't know. I think that's built over time. Um, I don't think that there's like, like, so in my view, like I see Red Bull, like, I'm yeah, all right. I hate Red Bull, like obviously because whatever, and they're New York and that's just ingrained into our system. However, like, there's only been like the, like the one real big game between us and them was the playoff game and we won. So it's like, okay, yeah. like, is there really like something like that? But like, then, you know, me personally, I hate Seattle more. I hate Kansas city more. I hate Houston more, <laughs> you know, like all these teams that have beat us in like meaningful, like things, they bother yeah. me more than New York. So like, you know, while I get the whole New York thing, but like, it's just, like you said, it's, it, they win this game. Now it's like, okay, we validated it. Like we did you know, this is now the best season that we've ever had, arguably. Like, okay, you won the supporter shield, great. Like, I understand that. But, like, in what you just said, like, layman's terms, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like, okay, they're, they've advanced in a round of the playoffs now. Like, now people can kind of digest that and understand that. And now the coolest part is, is like, they were successful enough. Now we have another game at home, which in soccer specifically and specifically in Major League Soccer, like, if you look at the statistics over, the, like, the length of the time the league's been around, like, that's a huge deal. I want to say like almost 70% of the home teams win games in major league soccer. Like it's just a yeah. thing. And they beat so both, like, they beat both Nashville and Orlando at home. At home. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. uh, just for um, 
context purposes here, it's like halftime of that game right now. It's one one as we're recording this. Um, bullet point number two. <laughs> What's that? So I said, if I freak out in the middle of it, I'm watching that game. Okay, then we know it's not right. um, yeah. Listen, man, if that game finished scoreless and we had like penalty kicks, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, just, just give me anything. Just somebody score a goal. Don't give me like scoreless draw, you know, nil nil. Um, it was a good back and forth. Like the crowd was into it throughout, but mm-hmm. some of the chances that were blown were just ridiculous. And, um, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, before the Glessness goal, I got out a little piece of paper and I started writing down, you know, who I thought would be the penalty takers or whatever. And I got like two names in and I was like, shit, man, they really don't have a lot of natural finishers out here. You know, they had Dog who was out there. Kai Wagner, I would let him take one since he's taken mm-hmm. set pieces in the past. I had Glessness on the list. My top three yep. was Wagner, Glessness, Dog. I had Jack McGlynn fourth, even though he's a kid. Okay. Uh, Cause he was a sub and he's got a good left mm-hmm. foot. And then I think I had Sergio Santos five Corey Burke. I don't, I think Jim said after the game that he wasn't going to, I don't think he was going to take a penalty because he took that knock right before he got hit. But right. otherwise, man, they didn't have a lot of natural finishers out there. They had Alvis Powell, they had Andre Here's Blake, they had the center back. Jack Elliott could have taken one, you know? Yes. I would have given Jack Elliott one, but they put Bueno on like the last minute yeah. of the game. Yeah. Do you give him one? Like maybe he's like, in training, he's been like the, the PK guy. Like, who knows? Like, I mean, dude, I've, like I've seen him kick, I've seen him kick the ball like ten times in my entire life. I have no idea what kind of PK to you know. I understand. I understand that, but like, I mean, in soccer specifically, you see like that happens. Like, it's a real thing. Like, they put in somebody. Like, even watch the like, and it's really hard to do. Like, if you watch the Euros, you know, you see Rashford and and Zaka come on, and they both miss. Like, but I know. I know. They, they came on specifically for that reason. Like. You know, and that's crazy, so, yeah. And Jim, then Jim made the John McCarthy sub uh, as a penalty saver right. in the in the 2015 Open Cup. You know, right? I just, I just think like, I don't know. My guts tell, was telling me that if they went to, yeah. to penalties, I just like New York's chances better, just based on the guys who are still on the field. Um, so the chances that the, let me just go over the chances that the Union blew. First of all, Shabelko, um mm-hmm. Pushing it over the top. I thought that was the most egregious one because it's almost like he didn't have his feet set. It's like he wasn't expecting like the weight of the pass or the timing of the pass or whatever. And like just was kind of like leaning back and he just like fluffed it over the top. The Sergio right. Santos one, the point blank one that was saved, I can give him a little bit more leeway on that because he's a left footed guy. You got a ball that's driven in from the right. He's trying to just turn his hips make contact with it and, and and just the contact should push it in. But, you know, if he's right-footed or he attacks it with his right foot, which is his weak foot, he's probably just tapping it into the near post. You know, I mean, try to Correct. wait, try to open, try to open his body and do it that way. It's like, you know, okay. Um, you know, the Corey Burke one, you know, we thought that was the third, like, golden chance. But actually, I went back. I don't know if people saw it on my Twitter feed, but I was able to get the screen grab of that and freeze that. And there was, a, I think, a, there was Edwards might have gotten his, like, leg in there, like a shin in there and just got, like, right just in there, like, the last – split second of availability to block that. But like, and then on the other side, the Patrick Clement, he had like two chances or whatever. So I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, it it was going to be one of those things where if they lost, it would have been a blown. Right. Yeah. You would have been pulling your hair out, you know? Like, listen, like I've played, you know, in my career, when I played, I was the complete opposite of you. I didn't want to play center back because I was, I was afraid to make the mistake that would cost the game. Like as a striker, like you, you, you know, you make one good play and you're the hero. Yeah, you I can know. make nine terrible ones and you make one good one and you're the hero. The other way around is you can make, you know, a thousand good plays as a center back. You make one bad you know, mistake and you lose, you know? So like, yeah, I can, I, I mean, listen, I still have stuff that like, you know, I have nightmares about 25 years after the fact, like of blowing a ball over the top. Like <laughs> I get that, but you know, I also was not getting paid to play the game and I wasn't 10 yards out. And like, <laughs> I mean, you got to finish that, you know, 10 out of 10 times you have to, I know, and I know. you know, to have that opportunity. And he's done that a couple times, but like the thing with him is, is like, he's so hot and cold. Like there's been three times this season where I'm like, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. And then like the Cincinnati goal, that touch he took in Cincinnati to mm. like clear the defender and then bang it back post was just that that was class. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you can do that. But like, the problem is, is like when he's hot, he finishes everything. But when he's not, it's like nightmares. Like he, he doesn't do like, I feel like almost you see him like he's, he's like, Oh, he's a hold up nine, right? He's, he's not a speed guy. He's not going to run past you. Like he plays with his back to goal and he lays it off to the guys that are running for it. Like, I don't even think he's doing that well right now. And I don't know yeah. why that is or what it is, but like, 
I joked with you today, like watch him score a brace on Sunday because we're all here chirping about him. Um, <laughs> you know, that'd be ridiculous. Um, the Santos one, like, okay. Like he's just trying to put it on like, it, like in his defense, like that ball's coming whipped across the box. Yes. He opened his hips up and tried to play it with his left foot, but like, your goal right there is just to put that on frame. Like Cornell, kudos yeah. to him. Yeah. Like he did his job. He got big. Like they train keepers, get in the way, get big and hope it hits you. And like, that's what happened, mm-hmm. you know? So like, okay, that's kind of frustrating that that happened as well. Because like you said, a guy like Sergio, nine times out of 10, he finishes that. And like, you know, you get unlucky and it, it just goes the wrong place, save. And then Corey's like, as soon as I saw that happen, my initial reaction was like, Jesus Christ, like finish the goddamn, like f- just finish a chance. And, you know, and then you watch the replay and I was like, oh, no, no, no. That, that center back definitely got like his toe in or something to touch it. That ball definitely, like the union guy kind of got hosed on that. because should have been a corner, but, you know, because it was right in front of us kind of where we were sitting and mm-hmm. like, you know, so I'm like, okay, like I get that. But then you're, you know, to your point about the guy from Red Bull, like the one that hits the post, like, okay. You know, I feel like that post Otis one from the Nagara post in the Open Cup final that would have won the Open Cup for us. Oh, man. So that same spot in the same post. So that kind of Otis a favor there. But like um, the other one where he was in behind by himself, like I don't know what he was doing. Like he like slowed down to the point where he stopped. And he like, looked to it, like, see if he did. You notice that he glanced at the linesman to see if he was onside. Bro, just play. And, and then he and then he picked it up and he kept going from there. Yeah, because he was like he got he beat the the line so easily. It was he was almost like shit. Am I am I off? Right. <laughs> so he, then, I could tell he Paul he looked it over. Yeah, not for nothing. But then Dre made a great save, like to get down to the ground like that on the right and to make that save. Like yeah, and nobody and nobody listen. Like nobody should be surprised that the game was like that at all. Like we we all knew that that's what it was going to be going. To. Every single prediction was like one 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 nothing nil nil extra time. <laughs> PKs, stuff like that. You know, the craziest stat going into it was like, I think I mentioned mentioned this to Mark Fishkin on the last show. Um, you know, Red Bull played like 10 of their last 11 games, like the under 2.5 hit. And like mm-hmm. in nine of them, like the under 1.5 hit. And the Union, like three of the last four, like the under 2.5 hit like three times or something. So of course we were like, oh, we're going to jinx it. And it's going to be like another 4-3 Marco Fabian mm-hmm. special or whatever. But no, nah, it was like ugly. It was like, Man, there's some players on either on either team too. Like Kyle Duncan is an awesome player, mm-hmm. and um, you know Red Bull's got some good young dudes in the midfield. Like Sean Davis is like a young mm-hmm. younger Brian Carroll. Like doesn't do anything amazingly well, but he's just like so steady and he just moves the ball left and right. I'm just thinking like, man, both of these teams like deserve a, a finisher. Like the midfielders and the mm-hmm. defenders that are just out there just busting their ass. Mm-hmm. Like the fitness level for those dudes to play as long as they did. Right. Um, I think segueing off of that in the length of the game like now in hindsight I, I obviously think Jim got it right by starting in mm-hmm. the Christmas tree and going to the 4-4-2 because it's like if you have an inkling that you're gonna the game's gonna go into extra time um, or that you might need fresh legs or whatever then you start conservatively like we mm-hmm. know he always does and yep. then you come out of that and you bring Sergio on you go from Christmas tree to 4-4-2 because it's more impactful to open up the game and stretch the game and make it more direct by bringing him on and making that switch. Um, He can hit the channels hard. He can go direct. They can go over the top, you know, kind of go and kind of attack like a more tired team. that has been pressing for 60 minutes. And like, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, if you do it, if you do it vice versa, it's like you're going from stretching the game and opening it up to then like going to the Christmas tree and going like compact. Right. So you don't even like really do that. If you were like sitting on a lead and you were trying to like (laughs) suffocate the game and you were doing like the Warren Craval substitution of like two years ago you know so that's not a thing anymore so like I, I think Jim played it played it pretty well you know I don't I don't know what else he could have done that would have been different unless people disagree and say you go aggressive first and then you know sit Shabilko or something like that but even with uh, Jamiro and Olivier and Baiza not being there like he just plugged in two different guys there and they kept with what was working and you know they got the job done no agreed 110 percent um unrelated Mukhtar just made a 60-yard run and just finished the goals 2-1. Oh, did he really? He what, uh, what minute are they in in that? Uh, I think it's like the 75th, but Nani's getting ready to come in for Orlando, so who knows? I'm staring at a TV that's like 20 feet away from me in the other room. The TV's currently off because um, my two-year, two-month-old is sleeping, so this is, oh, this is where I'm at. Oh. I have a TV literally right in front of my face, and I'm not watching it. Um, he just, just skinned some dude at the top of the box and just rolled it back to the near post. It was a good goal. Bullet point. Where am I now? I lost my place. Oh, number eight. Um, Alvis Powell had a hell of a game, man. Yes, he um, did. Dude, what a signing he ended up being because, like, 
you know, if Mbiza was out and they hadn't brought him in halfway through the year, I mean, what are you going to Nathan Harriel playing right back in this game? I don't know. And maybe like somebody can get in my DMs, like mention this to me on Twitter or something. Um, I don't know why Alvis Powell fell out of play, out of favor in Portland. Yeah, he played. He had a hundred caps for that team, like on good Portland teams, and he was more than capable. Then he got kind of caught up in the Cincinnati dumpster fire. Miami was a dumpster fire their first year. He went to like Saudi Arabia for a couple games, and then ended up coming back to Philly. He's young. He's good. He's experienced. Like I, I am kind yeah, of like good, flabbergasted how he was even available. That's a very good um, like veteran signing. You know, and it obviously proved true this weekend. Like, you know, I feel like Baizo gives you a little more like, you know, with the ball and like whipping balls in and doing that whole thing. But like Alvis Powell to me is like just steady, like what you want out of a right back. Like I don't need a Serginho Dest that's trying to dribble four guys. Like, you know, and Baizo tries to be that sometimes. And like he doesn't really need to be. Um, but like you know, a guy like Alvis Powell who just goes there, he does his job, he works hard, you know, he doesn't make mistakes. And like, that's what you need in the playoffs is like, you need somebody that's not going to make mistakes because as good as Bizer has been at times, he's made some dumb plays this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's falling asleep him. a couple of times, like put his yeah, hand up like, in the air and, and like mm-hmm. kind of snoozing, you know, mm-hmm. let me um, ask you this. Let me ask you this question. And I would ask this question to the listeners as well. If you're in your car or mowing the lawn or doing whatever, well, I guess you're not mowing your lawn in November, but um, if Olivier Mbizo is cleared to play on Sunday and Alvis Powell is cleared on Sunday, who's your starter? You probably got to play Bizo, dude. Unfortunately, I mean, you have to, I feel like, I just, I feel like he's been, he's been good all season. Like, I mean, it's a tough decision to make. It really is. And like, I don't know you know, obviously like the ins and outs and inner workings of everything down there. I don't claim to know anything, but like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's Bizo, like, it's like the whole, like, I don't know. I just feel like he might be like, still a little bit immature. Um, you know, he just, it's like, there's the, the pal, you know what you're going to get. Bizo, it leaves that little question mark of like, is this, you know, that's true. Guess, I, I gotta be, I got to be honest, like, I don't know who the fuck I would. St- I mean, I, I don't feel I, I would feel comfortable with either one of them out mm-hmm. there. I don't I don't feel like if, if I'm looking at it backwards, if I'm like reverse engineering the question, like I don't feel concerned with either dude out there. But I don't know who gives me the better chance to win. I mean, I guess Olivia gives you a little bit more moving forward. But yeah, I mean, Alvis is sort of like, you know, been very alert and consistent. And the you know, the mistakes are, are you know, I haven't seen any that i can remember so i would feel okay with either one of those dudes okay so we touched on this a little bit but this is what i had written down for 10 i'll I'll read this one verbatim um shabilka was a concern uh he missed a sitter he isn't doing anything well right now he's not winning duels he's not holding the ball up uh he's not bringing his teammates into the play um he's a finisher who's not finishing and uh, (laughs) you know these were questions. This is not any new question. These are questions we were asking at the beginning, on like podcast number two of the season, or like the third episode that we did of the post game show on the Gambler, where we were sitting there saying, Casper uh, Shibilko is doing jack shit for 89 minutes. Okay. But then he pops up and he scores the game winner in the 90th minute that he's available, you know? So it's like that's stuff that keeps you on the field. But if you're not yeah, doing that, then what is keeping you on the field right now? Correct. Um, you know, and I think, like you said, to your point about going conservative first, I think that's part of the reason why. Because, like, yeah. what are you going to tell me? You're going to bring on Casper Shabilko in the 85th minute or 70, 75th minute or whatever to get a goal? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you bring in Sergio, like, it at least brings, you know, the, they can, you know, it stretches the field, there's the pace, there's the strength, there's, there's multiple ways he can beat you. Casper is like one of those guys, like, shows up right place, bang, finish. Like, Sergio can literally, and he's got little Brazilian flair to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sitting here telling you he's El Sino or anything close to that, but like, yeah. there's something to be said about the way that they play. Like, it's just a whole different world. It is. You know? It is. And so, um, if you're going to go to your point, it's like, if you know that you're going to open conservative and Sergio is going to be the guy who opens it up, mm-hmm. then your options are um, play Shabilko alone at the top of the Christmas tree or put Corey Burke up there as a second striker and do the redundant two hulking kind of laborious Mm -hmm. 
slow dudes, right? So in a way, it's almost like it's there really isn't any other way to lay it out unless you started mm-hmm. Sergio with Cashper and went four four two then, but then you're getting away from what worked over the last couple of weeks, right? So it's almost like it's right. kind of like naturally laid out in front of Jim's. Uh, like right. you know it's like the, the path is kind of there it's like linear okay i'm gonna do this first mm-hmm. and i'm gonna do this second and if it ain't broke um you know jim Curtin's certainly not gonna fix it so um i guess you're just you know we're just living with it to the end of the playoffs and they go they they desperately need a dp striker Ooh, um for next year for but by, by it, far i mean they I, they kind of always have i mean you could say that mm-hmm. about most teams for sure but um this 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 squad more so than anybody right now. Well, and like even Ernst has been on record saying like as far as a striker goes, we want a guy that like can dribble at people, and I think that was what their idea was with this Davo guy. But like, how bad <laughs> must he be if he can't fucking get on the? Field? I know, you know, I know. Like, if he if he can't this, get if he can't get on the field with with this group of guys, and it's like, right, is he ever going to get on the field? Right, um, who knows? Number eleven, I had um, Kai Wagner, dude, immense. Um, <laughs> Dude's like everywhere, banging in crosses, winning balls, putting out fires. Um, you know, the all-star selection was deservedly earned. Um, you know, they're earlier, maybe late at the end of last year. Um, if you were gonna ask me the question of, you know, is he ready to go back and play in the Bundes like the second division in Germany or for like a lower level Bundesliga club or something like that, I would have said, I don't know, man, you know. Um, but he had a really, really good season. I think he realized that if he wants to get back to Europe, he has to kind of turn it up a notch again. And mm-hmm. um, I could very well see him going and playing for like a, you know, like a bottom five Bundesliga team or like a, uh, you know, even if like a, like a, you know, the a, the top half uh, second division team, like, like a, a Schalke, like a Schalke or a Stuttgart or a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, uh, you know, whatever, if they wanted to take a flyer on him, like I, I, I like, honest to God, like think he would be, he would fit in perfectly fine with one of those teams. Yeah, I think he does. He does all the good things. Like he does all this. He does all the things that you want, like an outside back to do. But then he also gives you, like, he gets, he can get forward. He can do, you know what I mean? He like, especially in this system, like you need to have like the Baizo and Wagner. Like they bomb forward, and then you have Brujo kind of drops back, and the three of them are back there, kind of doing their thing. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, um. Just to see, like, he's just, you're right. He's done everything right. And he's like an absolute machine, dude. Like, it's just, it's like, it. he never seems to get like up or down. He just kind of like shows up, you get this performance and that's what you need. And like, you, you know what that, I like? like, you know what I like about Kai? Um, he just, he just, he's a player who just looks like he gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to quantify. I don't really know how to like categorize that take. I can't really give you an example, but like, he just like looks like, like a competitor <laughs> and like, and like his body language comes off that way you know he like goes into tackles hard you know mm-hmm. he'll argue a, a call he'll, you know be, be a little bit petulant you know but that's probably because he cares part of the game. yeah that's part of the game though dude you get your your juices flowing and like these guys are like the most competitive guys on the planet like you know what i mean when you're talking this level like i know how competitive i am and you know that's just whatever like this is like yeah. a whole nother level these guys are like you know what I mean? I get that. Um, but like, that's the cool thing about this group of guys that like this team, like, I don't think there's anybody that really gives me the vibe. Like they don't give a shit. Yeah. And you could say that's one of the things that we like really pinpointed about the shield winning team last year was that they were, they were just like dogs, dude. Like they had yeah. to go, they had to go train at freaking Kirkwood, you know, youth right. soccer center when they couldn't train in Pennsylvania because of the COVID shit. You know, right. it's like these dudes like embrace that. Like like Brujo Martinez is a gamer. Kai Dude, Wagner is a gamer. Like Mark McKenzie was a, a gamer. Brendan Aronson was a, a gamer. Jacob Glesness is a gamer. Yep. Jack Elliott is a gamer. Andre Blake is a gamer. Like these like Alejandro Bedoya. They they just like found like Ernst Tanner and Jim Kurt, like like Chris Arbor, they just found like dogs, man. Mm-hmm. Dogs in the good sense of like these guys just love to play. They're competitors. They're not cruising for a paycheck. There's no Ben Simmons bullshit here. They're not dating supermodels. They're not driving their Ferrari around. Like that's why that team was so was so like easy to equate and easy to Mm -hmm. support because they were just like down home dudes who loved playing the game and who who brought it all the time. Man, it was it felt like a like a uh, 
it might sound corny, but like I do mean this a hundred percent. Like it felt like a like a privilege to watch that, you know, because when you compare yeah. that to what you see elsewhere in Philadelphia, you see these guys like fucking dogging it or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, hey man, these guys are like the real deal. They're like they they were you know, the cliche. It's like the union were the were the hard hat blue collar team, you know? Yeah. 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 And like um, you know, I think that's a testament to what they're doing. I mean, you gotta remember you got all these first of all, kids. Like outside of Bedoya and Del Senio, like uh, they're all like mid late twenties at their oldest. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of disgusting to think about. Like makes me Bedoya feel old. No, nah, bro, I don't even want to talk about. It. I'm gonna be forty in a month. <laughs> like I get it. Oh, oh, they almost just equalized. Oh, um, man. The you know just like the whole thing. It's like these kids that like, frankly, like. It, it's cool to have kids like that because, first of all, these kids—they just want to play and they don't—they don't give a shit. Like, yes, yes. Like they're not yes. intimidated. They're like, let's just go. Like we're, you know, we're kids, dude. Like when I was a kid, I didn't give a shit. I'll play the old, like the best team on the planet. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. I'll show you something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Not intimidated. They just and like, you know, you look at the three. Like, so you had the Mackenzie Aronson crew, right? And those two guys are extremely successful. Like, yeah, you can talk to Trusty's been successful since he's going to Colorado, but he was kind of underwhelming compared to what they said he was. Derek Jones mm-hmm. was another one, right? But you have Mackenzie and Aronson who like not only exceeded it, like you their their whole hope with this, you know, academy is like to have kids that'll play for the first team, right? That's it. Like now you're telling me you're selling multiple players for multiple millions of dollars. I know. You know, like to Champions League. Like, albeit they're not the top of the top, but like, you know, Salzburg, Aronson played 90 minutes in a Champions League game tonight. Like, he was, we were watching him in Philadelphia two years know, ago. What, six months ago. Yeah. Eight months ago. Dying. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's absurd. And now he's playing for the national team. And like, it's like that to me is unbelievable. Then you look at this next crop. Like, okay, you kind of missed on the Fontana and Real crew. Like, Fontana was always, he was always like, to me, a, glorified, more skilled Antoine Hopinel. <laughs> like okay. a great dude to bring in, to change the pace, like come in high energy, chase, 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 work, work, work. You know, like that's kind of what it's always been. And, and, you know, no knock to Antoine, like great dude who's, you know, who's a good player, but like, you know, Fontana's a little bit cleaner, like a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. more polished and all that other stuff. Um, and then like, they got these kids now. I mean, McGlynn, Sullivan and Aronson are all next year. Like, be ready. They're going to play made like they play big roles this year. Like next year, they're going to play even bigger roles. I think. They're all, they're all ballers, dude. I'm like, yeah. where I'm like, where are they pulling these kids from? Like, I, I just like, I look at this team and I'm like, I don't recognize it in a good way. Like, sometimes I can't believe like some of the teams that me and like Dave Zeitlin and, and Matt to George covered. I'm like, what the hell is this? Fran- this is this franchise turn the corner, like harder, than anybody else you know it's so like um it's such a great story really if you think about Mm -hmm. it um let me geek out about something different i only got let me see one two three more bullets here um okay the the technique on the glessness goal i mean jesus (laughs) christ (laughs) that's so hard to do so like like here's the thing like yeah, he's drifting backwards because that's a ball that's recycled that's coming out it's not recycled Mm -hmm. it's cleared out right so yep you know, he's he's reading a defensive clearance. He doesn't really know where the ball is going to come. Ends up being in the right place at the right time. He's drifting backwards, and this is like an exercise in uh, in momentum and body control. Because what happens 999 times out of 1,000 is the guy's moving backwards. He chests the ball, but he kind of pops it up, right? And then you're leaning mm-hmm. back. You, can't, you lose your momentum, and then you try to plant your foot. You just hack at it, and you blast it like 20 yards over, right? Um, it goes into the Keystone State Ultras section. Um, what he did that's like absolutely perfect was he took a ball that was chest height, and in order to spare his momentum, he turned and steered it down to his right so that he was mm-hmm. able at least to be able to like regain some lateral momentum and put some oomph into the ball because otherwise you can't generate any power on it if you're just sort of like popping it up, letting it bounce, and then trying to take mm-hmm. it off the half volley. Mm-hmm. So to me, like when you watch the back um, on the on the most of the videos that are floating out there, if you watch the final view, the back angle view, looking from mm-hmm. like Andre Blake's view, like watch how he chests the ball 
like down, and then he's able to generate momentum and power stepping back into his ridiculous. Originally, I thought like Coronel maybe didn't see it or wasn't expecting it or something like that, but he hits he like there that thing swerving just well, slightly moved. outside with the, with like uh or I'm sorry like uh slicing away. Yeah, um, he like kind of came across the ball as well as hit it the way he did. Yeah. And yeah. like, I didn't realize it was like it to me when I saw it from where my angle where I was sitting, I thought he like hit it and it kind of curled back in towards the goal. Like it was a complete opposite. He hit it. He must've hit it with the outside of his foot mm-hmm. and it goes up and like is fading away. Like, dude, like that's just an absolute worldly dude. It's 10 and, out like, of 10 technique. Like it's, yeah. it's impossible. You, you see like, I mean, like it's almost impossible for, you know, a striker or a midfielder hits something like that. So to see a center back who's been defending for 122 minutes to see him pull something off that mm-hmm. clean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Two more bullets. So this is a little like kind of specific tactical thing here, but, and, and a, and a point to start it off with on the chance that Shabilko missed the one he hit over the crossbar, Leon flock began that sequence. He had a beautiful mm-hmm. press and like win up on the touchline. Turned him over. They get forward in transition. Blah, blah. Sergio's there, and he um, creates a pass, right? Um, in my mind, Leon Flock is the best presser on the team. He's the best cue reader by far. He sees mm-hmm. when heads are down and backs are turned, and he's able to pounce on these like linear passes. Um, mm-hmm. His, I'm going to use a term that I've never used on this podcast before because I didn't really see the point. Um, his ability to implement cover shadow is some of the best I've ever I've ever seen. What I mean by cover shadow is like when you're marking somebody, you're trying to put yourself in a line between them and a teammate um, who's behind you, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm standing in front of you, but your teammate is 10 yards to the right, you're just going to pass the ball to him, right? Mm-hmm. But if I position myself between you and your teammate, that's cover shadow. So mm-hmm. I'm denying a pass to him while I'm pressuring you at the same time, right? Makes sense. Correct. Yeah. His ability to kind of read that and understand what's behind him and then read the cues in front of him is really elite. And so I see why they like him. I see why they signed him. The only thing that bothers me, man, is like with Leon, he has no offensive game. And right. that's to be expected because he's a utility knife. They brought him in as like a six, eight left back, like hybrid or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. To compound it, though, Ali's legs are starting to go. He's getting mm-hmm. older. I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. I'm sure he would agree with us. He doesn't have a lot of time left. And so they're not really getting anything going forward from either one of those guys, you know, mm-hmm. one of the shuttlers, one of the eights, you got to have at least some two way ability for one of them. And Ollie looks labored out there and he looks like he's having some trouble impacting the game on the offense. Then Leon's not going to give you that at all. So I like them, you know, I guess what the best we can do now is conservative Bedoya on one side, flock on the other side, Jack McGlynn can kind of open it up and give you something. Yep. 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 His left foot. And that's just kind of, I mean, I guess it is what it is with that. Right. I think I think I think you're on to something as to where it's going. Um because personally, like I love Brujo. I do. Um, I think he's another one of those guys that like gets himself in trouble a little mm-hmm. too much in like some big op- like you know, you look at the Champions League game in Mexico, like he pissed the ball away, bang, penalty, like that's the end. You're coming home two nil, and that's that's you know, you know, we can talk about if we made that penalty kick or whatever, but like we weren't in that. You know, that was over for all intents and purposes. Yeah. You know, I don't know we were going to score again on, on, I mean, yeah, if you make it a one goal game at home, but like you're chasing the game and they just got to get one, like who knows with that. But like he, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they sell Brujo, if they, mm-hmm. if they find a home for him to go. Uh, Flock is, uh, you know, if you put, tell me it's, a, you're gonna, he's a six, three, one game over. See you later. Come on, Nashville. See you soon. Nashville's up three one. Yeah, three. They just scored in the third. Wow, wow. It's gonna be another nil nil at Subaru. <laughs> no way, dude. Coming we just gotta get the first one, bro. Orlando's defense is absolutely shambolic. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm. I'm not like okay. Nashville's whatever. They are who they are. But like, I'll play anybody in the league and in a one off game at our field and feel confident. That's all. Um, but back to my yeah. point about Brujo, like. You saying would yes. you move would would you move Leon to the six if they sold Brujo? Yeah. Facts, facts, one hundred percent. I think that's Leon's best position. I think to your point about him shadow marking, you know, being in the right place, like Brujo can get a little, you know, overzealous and kind of just, you know, go. And sometimes, but he he has the uncanny ability to come up with these monster tackles. Like he's the he's the 
antithesis of Harris Madunian who couldn't tackle a paper bag. <laughs> I know, I know. You know I, I, loved I, mean, like, I loved watching Harris, but you know what it no, is? I it's, do. Like, it's like, if you have, here's the thing, and maybe I'm fit, maybe I'm stealing your thunder here a little bit, but I think I know where you're going. It's like, if you have Leon back at the six and McGlynn, you like McGlynn as a starter at, uh, you know, the left side of the diamond, like, that's a lot of distribution if you if you can get McGlynn to kind of fall into that like Vince Nogueira kind of come back and get mm-hmm. on the ball roll. Yep. You know? Yeah, no, 110%. And yeah. like, I just feel like, you know, specifically in this league, right, you know, with the salary cap and all that stuff, and the union's done a phenomenal job at like, you know, bringing in players for like whatever that aren't, you know, super, like they're not, they haven't brought in, I mean, who's the biggest name they ever brought in? Marco Fabian? Is that it? Or is I it and Bowley? But maybe I would say Tranquillo Barnetta. But true, you know, he for, for he people was, who were like who were like you know, not it, it was you know Tranquillo wasn't sexy and like oh he's going to bring like the Mexican crowd to the you know right or he didn't just play in the World Cup for Algeria or whatever. But I think he was like the probably had the best pedigree. True, no, you're um, right. I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I get lost in the shuffle sometimes thinking about. It's interesting, man, because we always think about. We always talk about how shitty they were back then. But I'm like, oh, well, you know, they did have some like interesting signings back in the day. I but. mean, dude, Tranquilo, Tranquilo is arguably the best player that's ever put on a Union shirt. Like, I hate to say it. That 2016 it, team, man, they had some. They like were really good to begin with. Yeah, they were good. They had Ken Tribbett, and that's what that's what killed them. <laughs> I'm well, they kidding. had the, they had like the they I don't know if you were like the Brian Carroll and the Warren Cravel double pivot where it was like they right, would right. give they would give up absolutely nothing, right? And like <laughs> that with that, but like you know, it's it's I mean it's it's yeah. it's something that it's crazy. It's a whole conversation for another time, another place. But like mm, for the alumni know, podcast, you know, oh, but, I love it, dude. I'm all yeah. about it. But um, the you know just. And even Boric Dochkow, that's another name that just kind of randomly popped into my head. That guy could ball. Dude, he was good, he really man. Could. He really was. He still, <laughs> I see him pop his name, pop up every once in a while. I'm like, no shit. Look at yeah. that guy. He's still playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like to, to the point where like, I would love to see Flock at the six. I think that's probably his best position. Like the man, he never, like is never caught out of position. He's always making the tackles when need to be. You know what I mean? Like it's. And I don't worry, and I don't worry so much because I'm like, I look at Leon, he's not, I think Brujo at his best can hit those diagonals and can move the ball a little bit better, but uh, Jack Elliott's a good passer, Jacob Glessis is a good passer, Jack McGlynn looks like he's going to be an amazing passer, Mm -hmm. and uh, depending on what they do with Ali Bedoya, if he's, he's, um, you know, there again next year, you know, he's capable enough with it, so I I don't, any deficiency that you feel about Leon being a ball mover would probably be ameliorated by uh, you know having Jack McGlynn uh, next to him. I'm excited about that. Jack McGlynn at the beginning of the year is probably my least favorite of all the homegrowns. I'm like, what do they see right. in this kid? What does he do well? And then they moved him out of the diamond and played him on the left side of something else, and he hit like this ridiculous pass with his left foot. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, and so I'm excited to see him moving forward. The last bullet point I have is kind of like Captain Obvious speaking. This is more something I wrote for like the Crossing Broad crowd because I kind of like changed my tone for the casuals, you know? Um, yeah, look, the union, like a lot of times this year, did not pass the eye test, especially attacking. You know, sometimes you you could even make the case that like second place is a little bit of a mirage based on what they were. I think it's always mm-hmm. weird too. I think it's always weird too when you have a good team that isn't as good as the version we just watched. Like right. the shield winning team would beat this union team. Um, yeah. Doesn't that- mean that this team's not good. It just means that the shield winning team is really, really good. But look. We say what we want about Shabelka or Santos or Burke and these guys not finishing or whatever. Glessness, Elliott, Martinez, and Blake throw Wagner in there if you want to. Um, best spine in Major League Soccer by far. Like they're going to be in any single game. Yeah. That 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 is available to them as long as those guys are on the field, they're going to have a chance to win it. You know, so it doesn't matter if you have like Joe fucking Schmo playing striker and he can't, right. you know, throw the ball in the ocean from you know Ray Street Pier. So, right. Like, um, so, I mean, if you think about it, this year, how many games were they not in? Like, think about I, it. They didn't. They, I don't think they got blown out. Did they have like one three nothing loss? I want to say. Like uh, then one... I think didn't they lose bad to New York City at home? But that's because Brujo took a red card. Early. Red card. Yeah. yeah. And but like, there was there was the... not an even strength game where it was like, oh, no. they they're having an off night, or it was like, like a, yeah, you know, they lost early to New England. But again, like the first month of the season, they weren't good. 
Like they lost to Miami at home. And that was they Champions lost- League stuff going on too. You can almost right. you can put like the world's biggest asterisk on top of that. Right, know? right. And think of it this way. And like to talk about like, okay, Nashville's coming to town and people are like, oh, are we worried about Nashville? Like we've lost three games in Subaru Park in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Like yeah. three games in two years. They didn't lose at all last year. And then this year they lost to New England. They lost to New York City and they lost to Miami. And those were like, it feels like a lifetime ago. Like, it's like, and it speaks to your point of like the spine with those, four, like those guys in the back, like. <laughs> it's just like, consistent, man. You always right. feel like you have a chance when they're back. there. Right. I'm just looking through the the game log right now. They had the 3-3 in Chicago, but that's when they rested a bunch of dudes. They had like yeah. uh, Stuart Finley was starting that game. Right. Um, the 2-1 loss in Orlando City. Okay, they lost by a whopping one goal. They right. lost two to one to New England with a bunch of kids in there. Kids playing. The only crap game that there may have been, uh, maybe that DC United three to one. But that was there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was a it was a road game. It wasn't. It was right, here. and that's the Minnesota. You know, the Minnesota game, the three two. They they, well, they had they got they all their brain fart. They got all their brain farts out of the way with that yeah. one. Right. And I mean, that's going to happen. Like, I understand yeah. that, you know, yeah. um, you know, sure. But you're, but you're right, goal. dude. They, they don't, they don't have a loss on here. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Let me look at this one more time. They don't have a no. loss that was by more than they have one loss that was by more than a goal. Yep. Yep. That's like crazy. Like, that's crazy. It's, it's nuts to think about like, yeah. you know, and that again, like, it's just, they're preaching, you know, this, we're going to work hard. We're going to defend like bastards. And, you know, okay, like maybe, you know, that's where you run into these issues where you need that special player up top to make a play because that's what the that's wins in the playoffs. Like, if you mm-hmm. can give up, you know, if you can keep a zero, you're not losing. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, maybe if you lose in penalties, but like 99 times out of 100, if you keep a zero, you're winning. You no, know, man, uh, they just make themselves hard to beat. And like, yep. I, I think, I feel like I appreciate it. I've, sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, you know, do I, have a lighter view of this because like, you know, I think you tend to look at like the position that you played growing up and you tend to value that position more. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, as a defender, it's like, I think I can appreciate like a one nothing win more than other people can. You know, I wonder if people look at this union team are more negative on this team than I am just based on the fact that like offensively they have pretty much nothing, but uh, dude, as long as they got those guys out on the field and defense and and in the midfield and playing goal, man, they're going to be hard to beat. So, uh, yeah, Good luck to Nashville, right? Yeah, listen, right. man. What uh, what do you what do you want to say to the people? Um, what do you what are you up to? What do they need to know? I mean, the only thing that I want to say to everybody here is like, listen, we have an opportunity. We've never hosted a second round playoff game before ever in this club's history, ever. You just said earlier in the game we won one playoff game before this year, right? So now it's two. We have an opportunity to like literally, you know make this place just absolutely insane and i want nothing more and i'm not sitting here like i'm not the guy that's gonna be like you need to sing you need to do this you need to do that whatever like just be loud you know be that like bring that like it's almost like that 700 level like rowdiness to subaru park like i'm not saying beat up your neighbor or like get sent to the drunk tank or anything like that but like bring that edge on sunday so that we can literally you know like we're one game away from playing in a conference championship, like at home, we should win this game. I don't care if, if who's coming to town, like in this league, I don't care one game at home. Let's do it. And like, I just want, you know, I don't want any, like, I don't want to hear like the bullshit between it's, it's like the rest of the fans versus the supporters or the this one supporter group versus the other. Like we need to go down there and just be ready to raise holy hell for, you know, 90 minutes plus whatever it takes to get done you know, to just be there for these guys, win or lose. Like, and if we lose, we lose. Okay. Like that's what it is. But like, obviously, like, I don't want that to happen. I think we can win this game. I think we will win this game, you know? Um, and you know, we just go from there and like, I just want everybody to kind of be on, on board and like, let's just have fun with it. Like, that's what it's about. That's what this whole thing's about. Like, that's why, you know, back in the day, when this all kind of got started years ago, it was like, let's build something so that like we can go somewhere for a couple hours and like, forget about all the bullshit that's going on in the rest of the world. Like specifically with 
everything that's gone on in the past, you know, 18 months. It's been the craziest 18 months of my life. You know, like, let's just go, let it go, have fun, enjoy, you know, something that's, you know, it's, you got to remember this club has been built by the fans. Like that's where it came from. Like it's ours. Like, you know, we may not own it in name or whatever, but it's ours and like embrace that. And like literally go down there and just, just bring it. Like, that's really it. Like the, like I, we mentioned in the beginning of this whole thing, like it, the stadium was never as loud as it was, you know, last week. And I think honestly, like the vibe of that happening and then coming back to play another home game is only going to, it's just going to make it more rampant. Because like I said, the amount of ticket requests that I've had from like casual people that aren't really soccer fans and like text messages are like, yo, I'm coming to the game Saturday like what, or Sunday. Like, let's go. Like, I'm pumped. I'm this, I'm that. Like, I feel like, you know, we have an opportunity to really kind of cement our place in Philadelphia as like a re- legit, you know, sport and like a legit, you know, everything. So like, come down there, be loud, enjoy yourselves, have fun. And like, let's throw a party. Cause like, that's the whole thing that what this is all about. Like, you know, specifically with what we're doing in 140, like we just go, we want to have a, we just have a party. Like that's all this is. And that's the way it is the rest of the world. Like you go to a soccer game, it's a party. It's not about who sings the loudest or does this or does that. Like, let's just have a fucking party and let's go root our team on to win. And let's, let's enjoy it. I love it, man. I can't say it any better than that. I would say that we should think about, uh, bringing a special guest um, to the river end also for Sunday's game. Who's that? Uh, the mayor of Havertown. Who oh, yeah. Let's the, get her, dude. Yeah. Let's get that. Let's get her. Mary yeah. Kate. I mean, Mary Kate could, from Delco. You could listen. You could video <laughs> did it. You, I mean, that's, she, fuck, that's fucking bullshit. bullshit. I love it, dude. <laughs> I, I, I hear that on a regular basis down there. I don't think we need to bring anybody in to do so. Um, however, we did write a fun little jingle today to the tune of last Christmas or what is it? What, yeah. Last Christmas. Uh, we started singing the song like in just it, in like pure shit housery. We're singing the actual last Christmas song, but it was mm-hmm. rewritten. It was rewritten today as, you know, last season we gave you our heart. The very first game you gave it away mm-hmm. this year to save us from tears. Glassness did something special. Oh man. I love it. I could watch it over and over again. I may yeah. actually watch it after we end this podcast. Um, Absolutely. Listen, man, it's always a pleasure. Um, thanks for uh, coming back on. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys got to see that in uh, in person. And uh, maybe I'll remember one, it for the rest of my life, man. Yeah, really maybe was. one day I'll get my ass back down to the press box and maybe I'll witness a, a Jacob Glessness banger uh, live. Bro, we'll do it live, as Bill O'Reilly real, said. Yeah. To be real, what I really want, I want a 2 nothing boring win. I'm not going to argue with that. I think everybody would take that. Come on, baby. Like, give yeah. me two in the first half and, like, let's just cruise. Fingers like, crossed. Yeah. Knock on wood, man. Philly, Nashville. It's going to be fun, man. All right. Let's, listen, man. I appreciate it, dude. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it again. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's see what you got in the way of questions, comments, and concerns. We're going to start with Matt Thornton, a mediocre bad guy on Twitter. He says, do a top 10 union goals of all time. Oh, man, that's quite the exercise, isn't it? Well, he lists out a bunch from here. He says Glessness has three of them. Uh, Carlos Ruiz, El Pescadito, Marco Fabian, Latou versus Houston, Farfan's chip over Casillas, Eager Casillas, Cleberson, Barnett, Bendick face, and the free kicks, Latou fast break against Red Bull, uh, away with Noguera, uh, Quinn Sullivan's bike, Santos rocket against LAFC in 2020. Um Listen, uh, let's let's go through. This is, this is what we have to do. We have to go through because I did a top ten for Philly Voice back in 2017, and we've played five seasons since then. So we need to go through my original list and add uh, in everything that's happened after that. So this is what I had back then, right? Let me let me read through the old list, and we'll kind of see what we need to add. Falco Pounovich, the uh, frozen rope at Chicago on August 3rd. Remember that low rocket they just like blasted with his left foot. It was a fantastic goal. It was an awesome goal. So that was uh, at Chicago 2011. I had that number 10. Number 9, I said uh, Fabian Herbers from distance. Remember that rocket he had against D.C. Uh, 2017? That was number 9 for me. That would probably come out of here. Uh, number 8, I had Ali Moreno on the uh, the goal. Um, see, this, this I like this goal because it's all, all about buildup. When Latou hit the hat trick at Lincoln Financial Field in 2010, he uh, Ali Moreno had that ridiculous pass to spring him on the counter. 
uh, one of my top five passes in Philadelphia Union history. So at the time, I had that goal at number eight. Number seven was uh, what Matt's talking about, that counterattack against New York when they were playing down a man. Uh, Noguera dummied like Dax McCarty or somebody out of their pants and then had the one-two up the flank with Sebastian Latou. And um, I think Eric Ayuk was the one who scored the goal. Number six, we had uh, the Jack McInerney back heel at L.A. 2012. Number five, we had a tie between Barnett and Cleberson with the free kicks because they're basically like the same goal from the same distance. Number four uh, was Bedoya's chip. Remember the Ali Bedoya chip at Toronto uh, 2016? Number three, another chip was the Farfan chip. It wasn't against Iker Casillas, so they had their like third string goalkeeper uh, in there. Real Madrid um, did, but that was a crazy goal uh, in the friendly. Number two, we had the uh, the cushion, the Latou Houston goal because it was just a ridiculous touch. It was the first touch on Sebastian's left where he just caught the ball out of the air, just cushioned it down to his right and finished on the on the like continuous motion with his legs. Uh, Roger Torres playing that like loopy ball over the top. That was awesome. And then number one, I had the uh, Pescadito uh, left footer versus Chicago. Um, that's still my number one, I think. Glessness against <sighs> Atlanta might be number two. I mean, I think all three Glessness goals are probably in the top ten, aren't they? I mean, you can very easily make the case that they are. We should do that. Somebody should go through that and take the original ten that I did and try to see where you would add in uh, like like new goals and see how the list looks after that. Oh, this is from Dave Zeitlin checking in. I got a tough one for you. Do you think the Union were better when I covered them? Nine years and zero playoff wins? Or have they been better since I stopped covering them? Three years, two playoff wins, a supporter shield, um, Champions League semifinals, etc. <laughs> I know. I know. It makes me laugh, too. It's like... Uh, you know, how, how bland and how boring the team was for, for so long. We tried to sell it, you know, and then uh, as soon as I'm off the beat and Dave's off the beat and everybody starts to move on, Eli's off the beat, everybody starts to move on. <laughs> and now they're like the best run team in Philadelphia. So go figure, you know, uh, George uh, says, what's the over under on how many sitters are missed on Sunday, man. I don't know. Um, union got to bring it though. Nashville's probably, uh, maybe slightly, if if they're if if New York is like a one A defensive team, Nashville's like a one B defensive team, but they have a much better attack. You know, they got Mukhtar, CJ's a handful. Um, they're going to have more going forward for sure. So the Union got to finish chances. I'm going to say the over under on sitters missed. Um, we're going to set it at two. The over under is two. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, let me see. Uh, Trey is looking for an update on Jamiro and Olivier. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think Jim will talk about that this week. Um, shouldn't. Oh, I'm sorry. He has the second question here. Um, should Casper be replaced with Burke in the semis? I could. I would. I could honestly uh, sell that argument for sure. I don't think you're going to change Jim's mind, but. Uh, Here's the rhetorical question I would ask you. Is there anything that Cashper is doing that Corey cannot do right now? I think we all know the answer to that because Cashper's not doing anything well. <laughs> so you saw Corey come in and kind of like bulldoze guys, and he created that one chance out of nothing, just being able to win a 50-50 and like body a guy off, hold him off and like win the ball and move forward with it. Cashper's not doing that, you know. I just, he's just not doing anything well right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Billy says, should Fon- shouldn't Fontana get another chance? Uh, I mean, I guess I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he he was he was big during the Shield winning, uh, you know, season. It's crazy to think he's like totally not even part of this now. You know, uh, it's the emergence of Sullivan and other guys like that. You know, uh, Vincent says, "What's Paxton's value in January, and where would the U sell him?" Um, I still think he needs another year for sure. Probably the same path as Brendan. You know, um, if he shows promise next year, maybe you could sell him to Europe, another like Salzburg kind of thing. You know, gank that kind of team, like a Mackenzie Aronson kind of transfer, you know, for the younger Aronson. Why not? Um, Paul says, not to be a downer in this joyous playoff season, but which postseason personnel departures do you see coming, uh, either via expansion, draft, or otherwise? Oh, well, um, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, aren't we? But uh, Brujo, they might sell. I could see Kai going to Europe. Um Maybe one of the strikers departs. I'm not sure what their contract status is, but they need to bring a striker in. Um, so once you know, I could I could see like Corey and I were saying I could see them selling Brujo. Leon goes to the six. 
Jack McGlynn plays um, the eight. Uh, Gosh, dog's still here to play the 10. You know, they're probably going to have to find a new left back if Kai goes. So those are definitely the two I could see being sold. Um, I don't know if they move any young guys this year, but uh, that's uh, probably still a year away for those, for the next like McKenzie or Aronson transfer, you know? Um, Matt Batdorf, he says, what are your top three center back goals of all time, of all time, AKA rank the Glessness goals in order? <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I think, um, I think we would all say, you know, Jim was on the record, uh, cause we asked him this year, you know, which Glessness goal did he like better? And he thought that the Atlanta goal was harder because the ball was rolling. It was later in the game. He thought the goalkeeper, uh, in LAFC Vermeer kind of, you know, left a little bit to be desired on that. And he strike Glessness is striking a static ball in the first, uh, on the, on the free kick. So it's a little bit easier. So I would rank the Atlanta goal, the, uh, I don't know, you know, leaning back 123rd minute cushioning that ball down and like the technique for that shit. I guess the playoff goal is number one. Atlanta's number two. LAFC is number three. Is that crazy to think the LAFC goal would be number three? his third best goal in union history. I was trying to think if there's any other center backs. You know, I just ranked, or I went through the ranking of the top 10 goals that I did a couple of years ago. And there's no center back goals on there. Omobi had some good ones. I think he had like, he scored off a, uh, like a header on a Shane and Williams throw. Um, the center backs though didn't. Yeah. I mean, most of the center back goals are like headers, right? I don't remember any like crazy center back goals beyond that. So Glessons has the top three for sure. Then maybe a Moby's in there somewhere. Um, Aaron Wheeler had a good one off a corner kick, I think, too. Um, does he count as a striker? Yeah. Uh, Rick McGovern says, how is the parking situation at the stadium so bad? It's been more than a decade, and it still takes an hour to get to 95 if there's a decent crowd. Um, I, yeah, I mean, as long as there's it, they're funneling people out one way, yeah, there's only one ramp to get back onto the bridge, and, you know, public transit is tough down there. It's not really a thing, like it is what it is. I don't, I don't see any other way around it. You know, um, I try to get Tim, which we're going to try to get Tim on the podcast in the off season. I got some, an idea of uh, who I want to get on here. I've got like five or six names written down. I saw him at the game, like at the one game I was down at this year. And I said, Hey, we got to get you on. And he was agreeable to it. So I got to schedule that with him. We can ask him about it. Um, I'm sure that's his favorite topic, traffic and paving the parking lots, you know? Um, what else do we got here? Um, oh, that's about it. Oh, this is from Dr. Silent G. Um, no question. Just thank you for continuing these podcasts. Always a good listen. Well, I appreciate you guys always listening to it for sure. You know, sorry about the gap there. You know, we had the baby, so, uh, you know, things are kind of tied up here, but yeah, we've, we've been able to do, I guess like one a week, um, for the latter part of the year for sure. And we'll continue it in the off season. Listen, uh, always soccer is a labor of love, man. You know, this is, you guys know this is my sport. And so I always wanted to continue doing it, even though I wasn't doing the union beat anymore. So I appreciate everybody listening. You know, the numbers are great. And, um, Hey, uh, you know, we've never put like, you know, spot there's like, I think one ad at the beginning and what ad, ad at the end or whatever, but I've never tried to make money off of it or, you know, bring in sponsors or bog you guys down with any kind of like bullshit reads or anything like that. So, uh, it's my gift to you, uh, my content gift to you. I appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, hopefully the next time we talk, we'll be talking about another playoff win. Philadelphia Union versus Nashville. Will they be playing New England? I don't know. I'm going to knock on wood. Let's not jinx it. <laughs>